Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. It's great to be back worshiping with you. Uh, last week, my wife and I were out. I was preaching at Harvest Bible Chapel in Davenport, Iowa, and had a great opportunity there just to share a little bit with them of what we're going through here and uh, just shared some of our passions and some of what we've been walking through as a church, learning how to go after transformation and just love seeing God kind of stir that body as well. And, but uh, love being back home. And uh, we are today getting ready to launch a new sermon series, all right? So we're launching today. As Mike said, we kind of wait until the kids are back in school or almost back in school. I know there's a few going in this next week, but that sort of kind of locks the families into place here and everybody's getting ready. And uh, so we're going after a new sermon series, well titled for those who are sending their kids to school. It's called Fearless, right? And uh, we're going after what does it mean and what does it look like to face this world to face adversity, in fact, to embrace the ministry that we have with our God fearlessly. What does it mean to not have our heart well up with something that cramps our style and stops our worship, but instead we push through that to live in a fearless worship of your God, going after him with all you've got, nothing around you distracting you. How do we go after it? And what does that look like? You know, I just thought one little illustrate moment here before we dive in. You know, tomorrow's a big day, August 21st, 2017. Right around here, around 120-ish or something like that will be the uh, eclipse. And uh, there's going to be this total eclipse that's occurring. How many of you have heard about that? <laughs> Good. All right. So the total eclipse is happening, and uh, we've got this big deal happening where it's going to be a totality from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast, right? And so down in Southern Illinois, you're going to be able to see this almost 100% eclipse. It's going to be a, an amazing experience if the clouds will hold off, right? And uh, what's the big deal with the eclipse? I'll just tell you, there were a number of societies and civilizations over the years, uh, when you look back thousands of years, that panicked every time a lunar or solar eclipse would come through. Absolute panic over it. And they weren't quite sure what it meant, but part of the problem was their perspective on life. They had this perspective that every celestial element was a god. And so the sun was a god. And when the eclipse started to occur, actually they're seeing their god get eaten up and go away. And they're not sure how long it's going to last, and they don't have the math and the science that we have today. And they're like, yeah, well, just so you know, the totality of the eclipse is right over here. It'll last for two and a quarter minutes. And on the outside, you'll see it at 90. They don't have any of that info. They're like, our God is getting eaten up, right? And they would have this panic, freak-out attack. In fact, they would do very uh, sad, very strange things in uh, response to that, there were sacrifices of people. There was trying to appease the gods and save whatever was going on. And man, over the course of time, the eclipse has caused a lot of fear as there's become a lot of knowledge about it. Now it's a lot more of the science behind it and the interest of the alignment of the earth and the moon and the sun and how it's all working, right? And people are walking through more the science of it and the intrigue of it and the... Uh, the only thing that's fearless about it now for a lot of people is make sure you have your glasses, right? How many times have you heard that? And if you're not in the totality, don't look at it. I'm telling you, right? That kind of thing. And uh, true, all that is very true. Just so you know, God does work with the sun and the moon and the stars, and he uses those to be a light by night, partly that. And he also says he uses it to be signs of the times. 
And uh, so what does this indicate? Yeah, I don't know. There's a really helpful piece of info for you. We don't really know. I will say some are trying to align this with end time stuff, and I'd be a little careful with that. There's some things that haven't been happening or resolved yet for this to have been something like that. But I will say I could easily see something like a total solar eclipse in a moment to be a, something that aligns with what God does at some point in some time. And uh, so let's just hold loosely to it and let's simply say this. We will trust our God. Amen. And we're going to walk through a time where we're going to walk fearlessly, whether it's that we're looking into the face of an eclipse or into the face of something going on in your life that has you stirred, stunned, or scared witless. Lord, I'm ready to trust you with all I've got. And all of God's people said, all right, fearless. How do we walk in a fearless fashion? So let's get started. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And... Uh, we're going to start in verse 1. Sermon today, titled today is uh, All In for Jesus. All In for Jesus. We'll start in verse 1 here. And point number 1. Uh, we will not lose heart, but will run to his holiness and uphold his whole word. We will not lose heart, but will run to his holiness and uphold his whole word. Okay. Verse 1, it says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And uh, it starts out, therefore. And when we see the therefore, we say, what's the therefore? Therefore, what's the presence of that therefore signifying? What does it mean? And uh, it's a connecting word, right? So it's connecting backward to chapter 3. We walked through that in our prior series here over the summer, and we learned about this ministry of reconciliation, the glory of the Holy Spirit pouring onto us and transforming us from one degree of glory to the next, where we literally get to experience God's changing power in us, and as he changes us, we're reflecting out to this world, there is a God. He is alive. He is working in my life. I have met the God of glory. Man, that is our ministry. And uh, we have this sweet privilege to be able to dive in and be a part of it. He says at the end of chapter 3, for this, he's talking about the changing one degree of glory at a time. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore... So because of that ministry and because of that privilege and because of the power of God at work in your life, here's the next step. Having this ministry by the mercy of God, this ministry of sharing out the glory of God, having him change you. Did you know that you allowing God to change your soul one degree at a time is actually a ministry to this world as well? You're revealing a real God making real changes in you. And one of the best testimonies that can be given is when somebody says, man, that person is just different. I mean, they're just so much sweeter and softer. They have this love for life and people and there's something happening. And then you get to say, it's because I know my Savior, Jesus Christ, and this Holy Spirit is changing me. Man, I'm telling you, that is a powerful ministry as you let God change you. Don't resist it. Say, Lord, I'm ready for you to change my soul one step at a time. And watch God take you on a journey with this ministry. He says, having this ministry where you're being changed by the mercy of God. 
please hear me, you did not earn the right to that ministry by the mercy of God. God pouring onto you what you did not deserve, and in fact, even more than that, him holding back the punishment you did deserve, right? That's what mercy is, is holding back punishment. Mercy is couched in love. God is love, and God loves you with all he's got, and he's pouring it on in your life. And because he loves you, and because of the mercy, and because he's willing to be transforming you, you have a call out. It says, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We will not have our hearts crumbled. In fact, this word originally, in the original language, it says, we will not have bad come out of our heart. That's really what it's saying. That we will not have a cowardice. We will not... uh, Shudder in fear, but instead we will stand firmly, undaunted. My God has it in hand. I'm trusting in him. He has rocked this world and he has rocked my soul. And I am standing with him. Man, that is huge. Amen. We will not lose heart. Do not get shaken. Do not get rocked. Keep your eyes fixed on your Savior. Okay. He says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced. In other words, we're saying these things are bad. These are the not things. Everybody say not, right? These are the things to not be a part of. Not disgraceful, underhanded ways. Disgraceful, underhanded ways. Literally, it means Hidden acts that bring you shame. That's what it literally is in the original language. Hidden acts that bring you shame or secret acts. It's those sins you go about doing, and you know what I'm talking about now. And you've got, whether it's an attitude or a thought or an action, it's those things you go about that you long for nobody to ever find out about. And you dive into those things privately, personally, because for the moment it brings a feel good. It resolves some level of struggle in some area of your life and it is an instantaneous feel good. That's just so you know, sin often offers a quick feel good, but not the long-term solution for eternity that glorifies God and heals your soul, right? Sin is often this quick, short fix that's trying to take a shortcut around what God's actually doing in your life. And so we go to this quick moment, you've got this taste of wherever, whenever, and it's this secret, hidden decision to mull on, think about, talk about, or do something you should not be around at all. Something that even brings you a weight of shame just for being in it. After it, you're like, why am I doing that? Man, I can't believe every time I fall into this, I got to stop. Dot, 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 right? And how often we wrestle with ourselves and each of us has our area and what is your personal area of sin that you struggle with? Each of us has it. I've got mine. What's yours? Where you're like, this definitely needs to be given over to God in a bigger, better way. I am bringing it into secret and I'm allowing myself to mull on it and I need to stop, right? And the Lord I hand this to you. 
man, we will not, everybody say not, be about secret, sinful ways. I'm just telling you, if you want to live a fearless life, you're going to need to give your sin life over to your Savior. It needs to be done. And uh, Let's be really clear here. There are some sins that devastate. And then there are some sins where we're kind of like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. And yet all of them are black before our God. Right? All of them are dead wrong before our God. Huge deal. May we hand them over to him. And, uh, okay. He says, we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning. Okay? Literally, spin. Where we're telling some story to make it look like something, but in reality it isn't that something where we're trying to twist it and turn it so that our voice seems to echo the right words, but inside we're not acting the right way, where we're not worried about being right, we're just worried about looking right, cunning, where we start using words to twist people and to bring them around. You might know somebody wrestling with this. Watch it, man, because it might even be yourself. And you prefer to tell a story about what you're accomplishing rather than being the thing that honors your God. Man, set that down today. I'm just telling you, this world honors that, right? And we've heard different phrases. I mean, there was a program out a number of years ago. Now, this will date me a little bit, but you remember the program was called Spin City with Michael J. Fox. Some of you are like, who is Michael J. Fox? (laughs) Spin City, that started one of the onslaughts of it, really. That was one of the first political shows coming on that was going to admit that what we do in politics is tell a story. And from there, it's just kept going on and on. And you get into show after show after show now that's about uh, politics where it's all about managing the, ready, here's the word, optics. Have you heard that word? That's like a new word coined today. It's the new word for spin Optics, it's what does it look like? And we now have to worry about always managing our looks like. And the reality is we should be managing what it is, right? And what it is will always end up looking right in the end. Truth and time go together to honor God and to glorify him. Make sure you are living to be right with your God, not do something that will make it look like you are, okay? Set down the appearance plan and pick up the reality plan, okay? That's what he's talking about. Not cunning. And uh, and I'm just telling you, I cannot explain how big of a deal this one is, okay? In America, where we like to have people like us and respect us, where we long to have some power or control, we very quickly will use words to try to get there instead of action and being. Set your life into the hands of your God. And all of God's people said, all right, no spin, man. Here we go. Or to tamper with God's word. Or to tamper with God's word. And uh, literally this word means in the original language, or to adulterate it. Or to falsify it, to take God's word and twist it so that what it actually is saying, you tried to make it say something else. 
tamper with it. It means where you take a verse or a phrase out of context and you say it in a certain way so that you can justify your action or behavior. Like the sin I'm invested in, I want it to be true. So I pull this verse out, I twist it around, I shape it like this and I say, see, God's good with, he allows this and tampering with God's word where we try to define ourselves as good when in fact we're in the wrong, right? Here's the best way I can say it. They recognize authority because otherwise they wouldn't even care what God's word says, but they don't respect the authority enough to just do what our God says. They twist it to give them what they want. Is that you? Are you in a mode where every time you open up the word, you're like, I got to prove that I can get this. Where you're digging into God's word, not to see what he has to say, but to see how you can get what you want. That's what he's talking about. Man, do not tamper with God's word. Please hear me. We proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. And all of God's people said, we will walk phrase by phrase, word by word, through the verses and let them say what they say. And we will talk very real about it. And when God points to my soul and says, that needs to change, then that needs to change. The end. And I will get on my knees and I will humble myself and I will hand my heart to my God and say, I am nothing and you are everything. And my salvation comes because of what you have done for me. I am not going on the I want it plan. Lord, may you be glorified. Man, are you ready to live that life? It's a costly one because you have to set down the I want game. And it's time to start saying, God, what do you want? Lord, what do you have to say in my life? No tampering with God's word. Instead, we proclaim it in its clarity and its reality. And then he says, but. And to make sure you read scripture very carefully, whenever you see these contradictory words, he's like, everything we just said, here's the reverse of it right? And he's like, instead of being invested into sin and justifying it with your words and twisting God's word to get it, instead of that, by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. By the open statement of the truth. And please hear me on this. We as a church, we will absolutely passionately share the truth of God's word. And it will steadily, regularly become more in contradiction to what the world has to say. And we're going to say God's word. We will stand on the open truth of what our God has to say. We will steadily and regularly become those weird people who actually think the Bible is real. Right? And are you with me on that? Are you willing to dive in where we take God's word and say, no matter what, we will follow you. It is his open word declared to us. May his spirit move. May God get all the glory as he shapes your life to take a step out of sin, even though the world says that sin's cool. As you raise up Jesus Christ and worship him with all you've got, even though the world says whatever way you want to go is fine. Man, we will follow God's word. And all of God's people said, amen, man. That's where we're headed. Amen. Open statement 
of the truth. And then he says, the open statement of the truth so that we would commend ourselves, and this is an interesting phrase now, to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. To everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And uh, just so you know, the conscience is a part of what God has given you as he built you. We're created in the image of God. He gave you a moral compass. He gave you something within you that understands right and wrong. And that's even before salvation, there is a level of conscience that we have. We grasp some levels of right and wrong. And that's a part of what God has done is he's designed mankind. And he's like, just so you know, you saved You now have this moral compass on fire speaking into you, revealing right and wrong. And as you grow one degree of glory at a time, you get more and more clarity to what you need to be setting down. Isn't that so true? And so you're like, wow, I can't wait until I get past this sin and I can't wait. And then you get a little growth and you're like, this is awesome. And I got, and then you're like, now I have this whole world of sin I didn't even know was wrong. And now I'm addressing that in my life. And God, may you just please. And and you get through that and you're like, this is awesome. And you're like, wow, do I have more to go, right? Our conscience continues to reveal out as we are glorified more and more to look like Christ, you will have a better and better understanding of what needs to go. And uh, here's the salvation hope. Jesus Christ will do a work he guarantees for all of eternity in the moment we get to heaven, transformed in the twinkling of an eye, and all of it's gone. What's our conscience start saying to us when we're in heaven, man? Consider that. Every moment, your conscience is like, you're good, right? Every moment, it's awesome, just keep worshiping. Have you ever experienced that in your life? If your answer is yes, dude, we got to talk afterwards, okay? (laughs) It's amazing that we get this moment of conscience that will be utterly satisfied with where we stand with God. And right now our conscience, in this case, he's like, hey man, our actions before you, I'm telling you, will declare the truth and you'll be able to say with that conscience you've got, as broken as parts of it is, we'll say, yeah, that's in the right. And then it says, in the sight of God. In the sight of God. So it's not just conscience alone. It's God himself as witness. And Paul's like, I'm just telling you, we're going to declare the truth and we're going to let God reign over all of it. And may your conscience being pricked by the Holy Spirit and prodded along by the Holy Spirit and shaped and healed by the Holy Spirit, may you agree with this as we go. Down with sin, up with our Savior and up with truth. May God get all the glory and uh, Man, I just wrote this down here. Um, Like I said, our world manages appearances, right? And it's all about this optics, this plan of making it look like. And I'm telling you, I've had more conversations in the last month and a half about what it looks like than I care to ever have in my lifetime. And my request to you is this. Everybody recognize that trying to make it look like is a bad plan. Everybody just say it's a bad plan. All right? Trying to make it look like and not worried about what it is is a horrific plan. And eventually it will catch up with you. Shading the truth to gain trust will devastate both you and those around you eventually because it catches up with you sooner or later. So I just wrote these words down. 
spirit aligned, conscience verified, God approved. Spirit aligned, conscience verified, God approved. That's how we're to live. Okay? So simple question. Are you spinning things? Are you telling stories so that your spouse thinks you're fine when in fact you know you're not? Are you a kid in this room living at the home and you know you're into things you shouldn't be and it's time to set them down and you've been hiding from your parents some of the facts and it's time to get it real? Are you trying to use words to cover what your actions have no business being around? Right? Man, it's time for us to set down the sin and recognize this. Every one of us is a sinner. Say, we're all sinners. And we're in it together. Say it with me. And we're in it together. No more hiding. Time for God to have his way. And all of God's people said, all right. That's the first part. Second, we will recognize that there is a spiritual war for our hearts. We will recognize that there is a spiritual war for our hearts. He says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Remember in chapter 3, he talked all about this glory pouring in and Moses and the, the glory being veiled so that it couldn't be seen, right? And as Moses was hit by the glory of God and his body literally physically changed, he wore a veil so that that glory would not break out, right? So that it wouldn't be seen in large measure by the people, and he's like, just so you know, that veil is also on all the hearts of those who don't believe. He made that clear in chapter 3, and now he comes back to it. He's like, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. He's like, there's a veil over their hearts, and they cannot see the glory of God not getting in. It's not that God is weaker then. It's that God is allowing it in that moment. That's where they're at. This glory is not able to hit their soul. And this veil up and holding back from them seeing it. Maybe you've talked to people like that where you share a verse that has rocked you. And they're like, that doesn't even make sense to me. I don't even know what you're talking about. Right? Where the, the thing that is so amazing to you means nothing to them. And uh, He's like, even if our gospel is veiled, the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope of salvation and transformation, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Everybody say that means not saved, right? Perishing, it means they have not believed that Jesus Christ is risen. They have not confessed him as Lord. And so perishing, it says, in their case, the God of this world, right? The God of this world, everybody say that means Satan, okay? So Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing. Satan is doing this constant disinformation plan. He's constantly trying to dissuade them away from seeing God's glory. And he's literally able to blind the minds of unbelievers. Those who do not trust in Jesus Christ, he has a whisper into their soul that helps them stay focused on other things than Jesus Christ and their need for him. He blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. 
to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. He is literally keeping them from getting gospel. And I just wrote it down this way. What does Satan blind from? You ready? Here are four things. Four things that Satan blinds from. Number one, the greatness of God. He's like, God's not that good. I mean, look over here. Look at how awesome this is. Look at this experience you could have. Look at, look at how good you are. Look at, right, the greatness of God. He tries to dissuade you away from seeing God's awesomeness. And uh, number two, the brokenness of self. You're not that bad. This isn't that big a deal. Don't worry about it. I mean, everybody else is in the same boat. You're a pretty good person. And just remember, salvation is not based on works where we should start measuring the good and the bad of what we do. Maybe you're here today and that's the first time you're hearing it. Works, the, the balancing beam of works versus bad actions is not the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation is Jesus Christ, him for me. He died on the cross. We believe he is risen from the dead. And we say, you're in charge of my life. That brings salvation. My works, they're but a thank you offering back. You're awesome, God. I trust you. That's all it is. Works are a thank you, never an earning of. Okay, so Satan, he blinds of the greatness of God. He blinds of the brokenness of self. Number three, he blinds of the brevity of physical life. There's no sense of urgency in this world. The brevity of physical life. In fact, we've got so many religions now that are like, oh, maybe you'll come back as some other animal and have another shot at things. And, right? and that whole, give it another try, a redo plan. And, uh, and everybody just say, that's not true. Right? And yet the whisper from the pit of hell that the brevity of life is not reality. And number four, the certainty of judgment after. The certainty of judgment after this life. Man, I'm telling you, that brings gospel message to bear, right? And to get into any one of those and start to distract from is a huge deal. And for Satan to be able to say, forget God, man. He's not that great. Don't worry about him. And dude, you're not that bad off. Don't worry about that broken, sinful thing. That's fine. So many people are like you. You're even better than a few. Look down the row at church. You know a couple of the sins going on around here, right? And some of you are like, do I need to look down my row right now? Right? And there's stuff going on in people's lives, and you're not that bad, and, right? And it's amazing how he starts to whisper in. Just enjoy it. Drink deep. Enjoy this life. Forget the brevity statement. Make it a long experience with, and there's no judgment, right? And that is the unwinding. And a whisper into one or more of those points that constantly keeps people content with themselves. Please hear me. Their heart is so willing to be there. This isn't against their will. This is their will very uh, decidedly choosing to say, yeah, that's true. I am awesome. Right? And they start going with these whispers. The blinding that comes is the whisper from the pit of hell as he creates an alternate gospel that puts man at the center. Okay? And I'm just telling you, that is a terrible plan. All right? He says at the end here uh, of this section, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of 
God, who is the image of God, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That is an awesome little phrase. The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And uh, it's amazing the greatness of Jesus Christ in our lives and how often we lose track of it, how quickly we can wake up and start doing life and get distracted with a hurt or a pain or a want or a desire or a hunger or a need or a task to be done, and all of a sudden the world's all about us. And all of a sudden we're wandering around and we've lost the greatness of the glory of Christ. We're, We're no longer this on fire believer filled with the Holy Spirit, life changed. We're just wandering around in me world, right? And it's amazing how quickly these things can fade and then how quickly, please hear me, hope now, be refilled as the Holy Spirit takes over in your life. Man, be praising your God. Be confessing your sin. You'll be amazed how often you can be wandering around on fire for Jesus Christ. Praising your God confessing your sin. That's it, man. Praising your God, confessing your sin. You will be amazed at how the glory of Christ shines in. And uh, he says here, who is the image of God? I just wrote these words down. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Jesus is God. Everybody just say that with me. Jesus is God. He is. John chapter 1. And it says, Philippians 2, that he became a man. He humbled himself. He came down to this earth. And he literally, him for you, he sacrificed himself, made himself available. Him on the cross, his death for you. That's the God of the universe, all right? And what did Jesus look like? What did he talk like? What did he act like? Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 1. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. Are you hearing that? This is Jesus Christ, man. Can you imagine when he was walking on the earth? People are like, man, let's go hang out with Jesus a little more. I can't even explain what's so awesome about him. There's just something that draws me to him, right? Can you imagine? And they're like, what do you find so compelling about him? And you're like, I don't know. And uh, I, I can't really explain it, just every time he talks, it feels like I should be listening, and the works he does are so amazing, and, and then there's others who were like, I want nothing to do with him. Why? Because he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, because he upholds the universe by the power of his word, and those who are standing against God would stand against Jesus Christ. And those that were super fired up about God were getting drawn in and they were worshiping. Jesus Christ, man, he is so worth knowing. He is awesome. You know, uh, a number of weeks back, I had somebody come into the office um, and they were wrestling with some things financially and, and relationally. There were some things going on and we sat down and we talked it out and they had some needs and 
you know, we have a benevolence team that does some great work around here, and, and uh, we end up getting them partnered together. They sit down and talk out the bigger picture and help really fix the whole problem, not just patch it, right? And uh, super excited about how they do that. And we were able to talk things through a little bit. I suggested that to her, and, and um, we were able to give a little bit. Uh, we had uh, some cards that we gave out that were just, you know, gave them some cash at one of the local stores here so that they could get some groceries just to get them in a little better spot. And as I handed it to her, I said, look, this is for you, and I want you to put this in your wallet. This is for you right now. Just take that. But I want to talk to you about something else, and I want that in your wallet first, right? And so she put that in her purse, and then we talked a little bit about where she's at with Christ. And, like, the last thing I wanted is for her to think the next steps depended on what she did with the money. Like, this is yours. We care for you. But now let's talk gospel. And so we started walking through the gospel message and like, hey, man, we need to admit that we are not perfect. In fact, far from it. We are sinners in need of a savior. We are dead in our trespasses. And uh, man, we need help. And she's like, man, amen to that. I so do. Right? And, and B, we need to believe that he's risen from the dead. We've got to believe that Jesus Christ, he is God Almighty. He's risen from the dead. And she's like, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, that's true. And we need to say, you're in charge. And she's like, oh, I haven't. That's not where I am. And I'm like, we need to confess him as Lord, that's saved, and otherwise, that's not saved. And, and that's what it looks like, is putting our lives into his hands. What do you think of that? She goes, man, it makes so much sense. And I said, so what do you think? Where are you at? Do you want to take that stand today? And she said, yeah, I think I do. I think where I'm at has not made any sense at all, and it hasn't worked, and I'm in. And, and I want to let him have charge of my life. And, and I want him to take over. And so we walked through what it looks like to confess it to your God and share with him. And she did that there. She prayed and accepted Christ. And hey, man, that's between her and Christ what really went down. But the reality is at that moment, she was like, I believe he's risen from the dead. And I confess him as Lord. And I'm putting Jesus Christ first in my life. Man, that is a life changing moment and all of God's people said hear me man Satan's goal is to whisper in you don't need that you do it yourself you can handle this that is a lie from the pit of hell we need Jesus Christ he is the radiance of the glory of God and all of God's people said all right and if we're going to walk fearless in this world we better grasp our walk with Christ Number three, we will proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and all for his glory. We will proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and all for his glory. It says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves. Everybody say, not ourselves. You know, you would think that would be really obvious, right? This is not really obvious. So let me go over this very slowly. We Proclaim not ourselves. Clear enough? It is not, let's stand up and make much of me. It is not, boy, I'd really love to get this role of serving around here so that people can see that I have the gift of dot, dot, dot. It is not, I can't wait to get a statement so that people start looking at me and they start saying about me this following statement. I want it all about me. We will not proclaim me. And all of God's people said, please hear me, man. This is so important. It is so easy to get caught up in self. 
we will not proclaim ourselves. And just so you know, every good club proclaims their leader, right? Every good club proclaims their leader. And uh, just so you know, the leader of the church is never man. And all of God's people said. And uh, so we will not proclaim a man. It says, we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. He is the foundation of it all. He is our everything. Jesus Christ, he is the anchor. He is our hope. He is our restoration. He has died for us. He has risen for us. He is reigning as God Almighty. And we lean on him, King of kings, Lord of lords, foundation of the church, my hope. Man, we will proclaim Jesus Christ. Amen. Lift his name up in any church that is making much of a man Get out. Please hear me, man. A church making much of a man has become a club. We will proclaim the God of the universe. He is in charge of everything. And he gets the glory. Amen, man. I'm telling you. Cannot get fired up enough about this. Will not get less militant on this ever. Jesus Christ gets the glory, and that's the end of it. That's the way we live it. That's the way we bring it around this place because that is exactly what God has told us to do. And uh, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and I love this, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. With ourselves as your servants. Notice it does not say with ourselves as servants of Jesus. It doesn't say that. It says, with ourselves as your servants. I've heard a lot of leaders in the church world say, I follow Jesus Christ, but I watch them not be able to get on their knees and help another man. Not be able to humble themselves. Unacceptable. Right? We are servants of one another. So just take a look left and take a look right. Go ahead and do it. Take a look left, take a look right. Servants of each other for Jesus' sake. God gets the glory, each of us caring for each other. Man, if the words coming off your lip is, you owe me more respect. If the words coming off your lips are, how dare you? I'm telling you, you're not in this plan. It's time to get in the plan, okay? And look, I get the complications of, yeah, but I'm the father and they're the child, or I'm the husband, they're the wife. Like, how do we manage that? And there are respectful ways to interact, but I'm telling you, it never drops that you are to have a servant heart. Never, ever, ever. Make sure that you have a servant heart, that Jesus Christ gets all the glory. And I'll just tell you a very lame example of this this week. Uh, so Portillo's opened on Tuesday <laughs> in Bloomington, normal. And, uh, and so we were like, all right, I was like, time to take the staff to Portillo's. 
And uh, so we always do a Tuesday staff lunch where whoever can goes out. And uh, so we all went to Portillo's out in Normal. And truthfully, at some level, you're like, what kind of chaos is this going to be? You know, it's grand opening. They open at 1030 in the morning. We're rolling in there at about 1145. Who knows what we're going to get? And so I just prepped everybody up like, it's fine if we're having to sit in really long lines. We're good with it. Just enjoy timeless staff and enjoy Portillo's, right? And uh, so we got there, and actually, they're super fast on their service, and they did an excellent job, and it tastes exactly like Portillo's. I'm telling you, it was phenomenal food. All of us enjoyed it as staff. And here's the deal, man. There was this older guy there who was hanging around, and uh, he's a nice dude. And uh, all of a sudden, you recognize, that is Dick Portillo. And uh, so any of you who have been around Portillo's, you see his picture up with all these other people and all that stuff. And uh, he's just hanging around. He's just talking to people. He's being nice. He's just chit-chatty. Some people recognized him. Most people didn't. Every once in a while, he would just pick up a giant tray of cookies. And he would just walk around and say, do you want some cookies? And just have people picking up cookies. And those who recognized him are taking a picture. And they're like, being served by Dick Portillo, right? And uh, just those little moments. The guy, literally, ready? He sold Portillo's for a billion dollars, and he served our staff cookies. Let that settle, man. I'm just telling you, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but I'll guarantee you this. Humble, servant-hearted nature goes a long way in speaking care, in speaking love. We had a blast at Portillo's. We had a blast meeting him. We had a blast laughing as a staff. And maybe that's all where that ended. But I'm telling you, in the church, you are a child of God. Forget this billionaire thing. Man, get this. The one who owns everything is your father and your king. You are a child of the God of the universe. Now serve. That's what he's saying, man. Walk around with all you've got, making it real how real your God is and how much he's rocked your world. And you watch God, move. You are a child of the king of the universe. And all of God's people said, and that is a huge joy and privilege. And uh, he says, let light, for God, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Literally, that's when God said, let there be light. Remember that Genesis chapter one, when he said, let there be light. And the next thing that happened was there was right? And when God speaks, it is, right? And he's like, when God said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. So God has literally now said, let light shine in your heart. Let glory shine in your heart. That's God speaking into your life, man. And I'm telling you, when God says it, it is. And God's starting to do an amazing work of light and glory shining in your hearts. It says, we shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. You get to know the glory of God shining in your life. How often do we live less than that? May we live this week in the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. May we set down fears and pick up our position in him. We are a child of the king of the universe. And he is shining a glory into us like none other. May God rock our world. And all of God's people said,
Man, it's a huge deal. It says, and finally, in the face of Jesus Christ, as you get to know the Savior Jesus, you get the privilege of glory beaming into you and beaming out of you. May God be shown off. All for Jesus Christ. Are you in? Down with sin, up with your Savior, serving and loving those around you, and watching God rock your world. That's the first step in being fearless.